We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And we're going to talk about the Niners and Bears, and then we're going to bring in Sam Fondiari from the Light Years Pod. And we're going to do a little Niners-Warriors crossover talk. Super fun conversation, tying basketball and football together. Uh, definitely more felt a little more football slanted just because we're in football season, but I'm sure we'll do another one uh, during basketball season that, that's more that's more basketball talk. So uh, let's let's dive in. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Before we get to Sam, I want to talk about the Bears game. Do you want to talk about captains? Not at all, actually. <laughs> okay. I mean, we should address mind. it. We should address it. Trey Lance isn't a captain. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, I don't oh, think it matters at all. I think it's hilarious yeah. that that people, you know, think it's some indictment on Trey Lance. It's like, you, you, if you look at all the captains, they're guys who have played a lot of games, and Trey Lance has appeared in three. So, right. They're all in at least their fourth season and they're all stars. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> my cat is very nosy right now, but, uh, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't care that Trey Lance isn't a captain. If he's not a good football player, then it will not be because he doesn't have a C on his Jersey. And if the 49ers aren't winning this year, it's not going to be because Trey Lance wasn't a captain. Yeah. Well, they would have made the playoffs, but that extra bit of fabric on Lance's jersey really hosed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out to our guy Eric Branch for using the word bozo in his question about Lance being or to Lance about not being a captain. Right. And then Lance saying there's none of those guys that you'd look at and say that guy's a bozo, <laughs> which is just incredible radio material. Branch is like at the peak of his powers, I think, with the press conference stuff. Branch is like if the Midwest was a person. <laughs> well, he's he like 
even Kyle Shanahan, whenever Branch asks a question, like his personality just changes. He's like, okay, this is this is either going to be a really long question or a really funny question and something I can riff (laughs) on with him. Like it's the dynamic between Branch and Shanahan is excellent. And I think the dynamic is starting to grow with Branch and Lance. And I'm hoping that continues because it's just it's entertainment. And it's I mean, Branch is phenomenal what he does. Um, so I'm, I'm all for this, like continuing. You could watch a press conference on silence this is the last, my last thing on this. You could watch a press conference on silent and no one branch is asking a question. Yeah. Shanahan will start Shanahan, smirking. He'll like, yeah. He'll either smirk or openly laugh. Yeah. It's great. It's really funny. Yeah. Anyways, let's talk Niners bears. Yeah. Where non-captain Trey Lance will make his, I kept hearing people refer to it as his first start and it's not. Like it's not. He started two NFL games last year. Yeah, it's this is his, his third start. start. His third he has start. the same amount of starts Jimmy Garoppolo had going into 2018. It's his first start of the season. He got here to San Francisco in 2017. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely his first start of the year for sure. That's a fact. Yes, <laughs> but I, I'm. I think the hand wringing over Trey Lance. We talked about this a little bit with Sam, but I think the hand wringing from some people in the fan base over Trey Lance and whether, you know, Oh, is he going to get benched? And what's his lead? I just don't think that that's even going to be part of the conversation by week six. If there were zero bad things to say about Trey Lance at this point, then we would all expect him to be like one of the best quarterbacks in the league coming in. Right. And that's just not realistic. So because he's a quarterback who's started two games in his NFL career, they're going to be obvious questions because we haven't seen him have a 50 touchdown season, right? Like, so it's like if Trey Lance was getting talked about, like Trey Lance was amazing in training camp and the 49ers scored a touchdown every drive he was on the field in the preseason, then we would probably be overhyping him. Mm-hmm. Right. But because he's not a perfect player and nobody at that point in his career would be, or else they'd be Joe Montana meets Joe Brady meets or Joe Tom Brady. Brady. Well, <laughs> not the Bills quarterbacks coach, Tom Brady <laughs> paid Manning. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, he's going to, he's not going to be perfect. So people, I think the initial reaction is like, because he's not perfect, like, oh, they have real concerns. It's like, no, like he's, he needs to work on his accuracy. Like that's been the case the whole time, mm-hmm. you know? So like, and, and if he was, things... if he was a thousand percent accurate, then we'd be like, Whoa, a guy who hasn't played in the NFL is like crazy accurate. <laughs> and he's going to like come in and be awesome. Like, you know, that does that those conversations don't happen because those prospects don't exist. And they knew he was going to be a project to an extent. Right. And at some point there's things you can't learn until you play, no matter what they could have waited until 2026 to start him. And there are going to be question marks about what he can and can't do on a football field. So that. Yeah. And I think like, you know, we're recording this Thursday night after, after the, the Rams bills game, Josh Allen and how in command of that offense he is and how accurate he's become. And just where, like his ability to know where the football should go, like two seconds after the snap to avoid the pass rush. Those are all things he's learned from playing football. Right. Like he didn't come into the league having those skills. Mm -hmm. He had to develop them. And so, yeah, there were concerns about Josh Allen 
before he was a full-time starter also. But mm-hmm. like you have to you have to play and get better and go through those growing pains. So to to hand ring because Trey Lance isn't some perfect quarterback before he makes a start, his first start of the season, to me is like you're kind of missing the forest for the trees. Because if you were by that standard, if you were comfortable with Trey Lance, then he'd have to be Patrick Mahomes. And that's just not gonna happen. Yeah, and that was never like the ceiling, like when people talk about Josh Allen with him. That's like a ceiling. That's like an ideal world over the next couple of years. That's what he develops into. And the thought was never when the 49ers drafted him, at least I don't think the thought was never, hey, when he starts in 2023, he's going to be amazing. And I think if if you got Kyle Shanahan in a room and gave him true serum, he would tell you that Jimmy Garoppolo is probably better in week one. But I don't know if that's going to continue to be the case by week five. You know, and that's what the 49ers are banking on, that 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 growth and that progression. And I think week one, just to get back to this, I think week one is going to be like there's been all this buildup. And I think the game and the takes are going to be really underwhelming because I think Lance is just going to be fine. Like it's going to be 15 of... 26, 25, 15 of 25 for, you know, 175 yards. Like, I think it's just going to be one of those, like, eh, yeah, he's fine. They won. And I think the Bears are going to have a hard time moving the ball. Yeah, I'm expecting the Niners to defensively to just really throttle the Bears. Um, I just went back and looked just for the sake of having this little tidbit of information. Mm-hmm. Robert, Griffin, Robert Griffin III in his first NFL start. Do you know what his stat line was? He was, oh, let me see if I can. I think he had 320 passing yards. Wow, on the on the nose. Two, three touchdowns? Two. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. And I think he was 15 completions. 15? No, 19. 19, but it was 19 for like 25 or 26 19 of 26 320 yards two touchdowns nine runs 42 yards <clears throat> so maybe that's what we should expect <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally he just went into new orleans and they just housed the saints yeah i i mean that so that's the thing though like that always sticks in my head and it's not that i think it's going to look the same and he's going to run that offense but i just think that there's a chance that like the first few weeks of the season Defenses have no idea what to do with Trey and what Kyle Shanahan specifically does. Like, that's why I I think this is so interesting because it could be like, well, Trey Lance really struggled and, you know, he completed 55% of his passes and he threw a touchdown, but he also had a pick and they won the game. But, you know, they they should have won by two scores, but they won by eight Mm -hmm. points. I think that's certainly possible. But I also think it's like, oh, Kyle Shanahan is now all of a sudden running all these plays that nobody has seen on film before, and he's mm-hmm. like doing triple options to Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk's doing a jet sweep the other way, and you know Kyle Juszczyk's way, wide open 40 yards downfield. Like, I think there's an element of that where it's like, I'm not expecting it to look like Robert Griffin III in his first start, just in terms of pure effectiveness, but like that wouldn't shock me, and I think I don't know that anyone like 
I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just way too optimistic of a viewpoint. But like it wouldn't shock me if that's kind of how this week went. Because it is the Bears. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Well, and I think too Trey Lance being awesome and the 49ers offense looking great are not mutually exclusive. Or are mutually exclusive. <laughs> I always what get that mean? phrase wrong. But like Trey Lance can have just like a kind of ho hum game, but the Niners offense can cook. Yeah, like I don't like, think Trey Lance has to be are not are yeah. <laughs> I, I don't really think Trey Lance I don't think Trey Lance has to be amazing. I don't think he has to be amazing for the offense to be good. Is that what you're saying? Because that's kind of what I Yeah, I'm... like I think we can it wouldn't surprise me if we come out on Monday or we come out of the game Monday morning and it's like Man, Trey was fine, but the offense, holy cow. Right. I the did. same way, the same way with Jimmy Garoppolo is like so much of the 49ers offense was like handing the ball off to Debo or hitting Debo on a bubble screen. Like shovel that's passes. yeah, or shovel passes. Those aren't difficult plays on a quarterback, but they can be right. incredibly effective through scheme and execution and just the talent you have. That's that's why, like, I think Kyle Shanahan's going to be able to manufacture so many good looks for Trey that it's not going to be like, you know, he's not going to have to be incredible for the offense to still be good. Depending on the offensive line, I guess is a caveat. Yeah. And that's, that's right. And that's where Trey Lance's inexperience could be a, could be a pretty significant issue. Like if he is just immediately, and we saw that this is the thing we saw against Houston that, that jumped out as like a oh I could see that being a problem early on in that game his eye and he didn't do this against Green Bay his eyes came down to look at the rush he didn't do that against Green Bay he kept his eyes at the field on the on the one where he scrambled he like kept his shoulders square in the pocket as he stepped mm-hmm. through and then he decided to run that was not the case against Houston and there is a chance where the Bears are just in the backfield immediately every snap and that's kind of what he reverts to but I I also maybe I'm putting too much faith in Kyle Shanahan to game plan around something like that. But I I I think the the better odds of the offense really hums, even if Lance isn't great. Um, then you know every time he drops back, he's under duress. How concerned are you about the George Kittle situation? About Kittle not playing, like 10 out of 10. I don't think he's going to play. Right. But how much that's going to matter, like 5 out of 10. Yeah, I go back and forth because, like, in some ways, I feel like George Kittle's one of their most important players on offense because, like, first and foremost, for the Niners' offense to be successful, in my opinion, they need to run the ball well. And George Kittle is a huge asset in the running game. And in terms of everything they love to do, play action, misdirection, all that stuff, like George Kittle is super important to all of those things. But it might just be the Niners have enough talent to where it's like, yeah, it doesn't, you know, obviously you don't love not having George Kittle, but you have enough guys, you know, Brandon Ayuk, maybe Brandon Ayuk has eight catches for 120 yards or whatever. Like, sure. Maybe that's how you make up for it in the passing game. But I think my biggest concern with the 49ers is the running game. 
because I think we've kind of just not we necessarily, but like the general populace has kind of assumed the Niners running game is going to be really good because it has been for so long. I just worry if, if I have a worry about the offensive line on like pass protection, I think Kyle Shanahan will be able to scheme around pass protection a little bit more than people are anticipating, but I'm dubious of how good the interior of the offensive line is going to be in the running game, because if they can't run the ball, that makes it way more difficult based on how they're built. And George Kittle not being there is going to make it more difficult for them to run the ball. So that's one thing on top of the fact that Kittle's missed 11 games the last two years, you know, like long-term, like it's, it's not great, but I'm also not super concerned about it for them because, you know, if you need to give Kittle an extra week or two, like against the Bears and Seahawks is probably the time to do it. If he was going to miss a game, yeah, this is this is probably the one that I think they can survive because, and we can transition to the defense now if you want. I'm just not sure the Bears are going to be able to score a ton of points. It may be one of those things where they just have a really good script on the first drive and they go down and score. But I think once the 49ers have a have a grasp of what their offense kind of looks like. I think they're going to shut the faucet off pretty quick. Nick Bosa is going against a rookie tackle who played at the FCS level last year. Hmm. Interesting. It, sometimes Nick, he's going to switch sides a lot too. Right. And I mean, Nick Bosa might have four sacks on Sunday. Yeah, man. And there's, there's a more so than the offense coming out and dropping 30. The defense pitching a shutout or giving up like six or three points or whatever is way on the table. It might be Niners win 13 to three, you yeah. know? No, that <laughs> like, way, like you no, said. Well, and when you talk about Justin Fields, something Justin Fields is not great at, or at least hasn't been great at, maybe he'll be better in this offense is like decision making. And again, maybe I, I think a lot of that had to do with Nagy and, and Matt Nagy and play calling last year, but is he going to be a player that in his second season, his first full season as a starter, when the pocket collapses, is he going to make the right decision? And is he going to make the right read? The same, this, I have the same questions about Justin Fields that I do about Trey Lance and as quarterbacks in their second year. Yeah, my question about Fields is more about the Bears, I think. And we talked about this with, with Courtney in the podcast uh, that came out yesterday. Mm-hmm. Are they in on Justin Fields? Because I think you could make a pretty compelling case that based on the moves they made in the offseason, they aren't mm-hmm. right. Like, are they doing everything they can to surround him with weapons and an offensive line, maybe more importantly, to be successful in, in the development of him? Or are you just kind of throwing him to the deep end of the pool with weights on his ankles? Because that's kind of what it feels like. And if he sinks, then do you have an excuse to draft a quarterback? in the top five next year, because that's kind of what your roster looks like you have right now. It feels like they're hosing him really bad. Yeah. So like new GM, new coach, obviously that regime wasn't there when he was drafted. Um, you know, I, and how Courtney described it was like, well, it's, they don't know they haven't decided yet. And they're using this season as an evaluation period, which I get, but it's also seems pretty unfair to try to evaluate a guy in those circumstances. Right. Yeah. He couldn't, he couldn't get it done with Bayless Jones. Let's move on. Yeah. Iron Pringle and Dante Pettis. He didn't do it with Cole Komet as his secondary <laughs> pass, pass catcher. Hey, Dante Pettis revenge game? I can't rule it out. He's on the he Bears can't. roster. Yep, it's on the table. 
it's it's certainly on the table. I would love how funny would it be if like Dante Pettis is like diving over the middle and like making like super physical catches in traffic. Just being the dude that he, he wasn't in San Francisco. <laughs> I, that would be great. I would love that for him. It, it I'm rooting hard for, for Dante Pettis. Uh, he, dude's a nice guy. Just not a very good draft pick for that. Big cat guy. Loves cats. He does. He does. His cats are apparently like I remember talking to him about it. His cats are like kind of dangerous. Like I don't know anything about are cats. Are they like not lynx but like bengals? Sure. Whatever they're called. Yeah, they're like expensive like quasi like dangerous cats. Yeah. So, he's a cat guy but like a dangerous cat guy. So, I mean, well technically all cats are dangerous. I mean, they're apex predators. <laughs> they're built to hunt and kill. But. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally tracks. Inside the mind of a cat. Watch it on Netflix, bro. I'll I'll uh, wait on your review for that one. I'm telling you, it's great. I've already watched it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I I think I think the 49ers are going to win, and we got to get to Sam. But I I think the Niners are going to win. Pit, like, I think I, I I did a video for Blue Wire. I think I said 20 to 13, and that 13 for the Bears. I think, like I said, comes on like an early touchdown where the Niners defense just hasn't seen this offense yet and they get fooled a couple times and then they shut the faucet off the rest of the way. That's and, happened a lot to this, to the 49ers defense the last few years. It's like yeah. opening drive touchdown, sky is falling, and then it's like, okay, yeah, no more no more yardage. After yeah. That. Uh, what is What do you think a successful start looks like for, for Lance? Like, what's what's one where you're like, that was like, good. Not, not, He's Patrick Mahomes, but yeah, it was good. If, if they win and he doesn't turn the ball over. So completions, incompletions, yards. Yeah, I mean, like less if, than the turnovers. Yeah, if, if they're if they're not abysmal on third down. And That's a big one for me. Yeah, like if they're if they're OK on third down, like, say, 40 percent on third down, which is like mm-hmm. typically a good outing on third down. That's what they were last year. Yeah. And they were one of the best third down teams in the league last year. So I would say 40 percent on third down and no turnovers and a win, I think, is is the bar for me. I don't need Trey Lance to have like, you know, the Robert Griffin, the third debut with 320 yards. and. <laughs> completing 73% of his throws. Sure. Um, but stats aside, like those are the stats I think I'll will stand out to me the most, like because third down is about being successful in the running game, obviously, because you need to be in favorable situations after first and second down. Like Niners aren't going to do well on third down if it's third and 10, right? Every yeah, time. of course. Um, and yeah, they just need to win. Like this is a game. If you're a professional quarterback on a good team, you should beat teams that you're drastically better than. And I think the Niners are drastically better. I agree. Turnovers are not the thing I'm most worried about. What are you most worried about? The, when pass protection breaks down, whether he makes the right decision in terms of like the, the play against Arizona, the first interception he threw really jumps out where he stepped up through the pocket nicely and then had room to run, but then tried to throw it and just way over through Travis Benjamin for a pick. It's like in that situation, can he say, Hey, there's seven yards for me. I'm going to take those seven yards. I'm going to get down and we'll live to fight another down. Like yeah. that's, that's the stuff I want to see. Just yeah. self-preservation, not turning the ball over converting third downs is a big one, but I just don't, I don't, maybe he gets into the regular season and changes, but he didn't, I think throw a single interceptable ball in the preseason. 
Yeah, I would like to see this is um, separate from Trey, but like Debo Samuel having a big game, I think would do a lot oh, yeah. for me personally. Sure. It's like my my one concern with Debo and I think, you know, I called him like he looked I, I said, you know, during last season that he looked like a Hall of Famer like he did. My one concern with Debo is can he do it year after year? And I think that was the 49ers concern um, because he had a good rookie season. Then he was injured and overweight and whatever. 2020 was a wash. Then he blows up in his contract year in 2021. What's it look like now that he's paid? And if he has a big game that looked like the second half of last season, then I think that would change my opinion of Debo Samuel or at least change my skepticism. I wouldn't be skeptical. Like if he Mm -hmm. were to have an all pro type season or at least a, a really good season on top of what he did last year would solidify in my mind, like, all right, Debo is, is on the George Kittle, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa level, because mm-hmm. those guys have done it over multiple seasons, obviously. And there's a certain equity you get in that as opposed to the guy who just balls out of control in a contract year. Right. So, that's that's one thing I'm eager to see. What does Debo Samuel look like? Because he's not like he's not a guy who really balls out in training camp. Yeah. Like he's a game time player and he's not, you know, he's never been a dude that has like eight catches during a training camp practice. That's just not kind of who he is. So that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just not we don't know that he's going, you know, it doesn't it could go either way based on how August went, in my opinion. Well, and can Trey Lance consistently get him the ball in those short and intermediate areas? Yeah. And get him the ball where he can run after the catch. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of Debo's biggest concerns. Like, sure. Which is fair. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the 49ers win 20 to 13. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. I think multiple scores. I think they win by, what'd you say? 20, 20 to 13. 20 to 13. So I'll go 26 to 10. Okay. We both um, like the under. I really like the under. The over-under is 41, okay. which is super low. But Well, it is going to be raining, and there is going to be a new new grass on the field. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Like Chicago Soldier Field is notorious for having some of the worst grass in the league. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if this new grass is going to be better or if it's going to be an exacerbation of the problem because now they have to replace grass. Right. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, this was a... Let's go on to Sam. This was a crossover episode that he's going to have on his feed. His feed is not going to have the intro and bear segment we just recorded. But um, so if it sounds like Sam's hosting, it's because he is because the rest that segment is going on the uh, the light years pod feed, which honestly, I'm pretty gassed up about like us being on light years. It's a big deal. Light years is a way bigger deal in Warriors Twitter than or in, in not in Warriors Twitter, but in like Warriors arena than yeah. I think Candlestick Chronicles is in the 49ers arena. Probably because they're I feel like there are way more Niners podcasts than Warriors podcasts. Yeah, I think that's the case. Um, I did confirm though via my Twitter mentions and a couple of text messages I got that we do have goons. Good. I love that. We have goons for shots to the goons. Shout out. Probably not as many as as light years, but we can aspire to uh, to maybe when the maybe when when maybe when the 49ers win four titles in eight years, we'll get there. Yeah, 
I'm a little mad though. We've we've done some light year stuff and we've never done anything with Andy Lou. Is he ducking us? Like what's happening? Andy is du- dude. Andy doesn't want the smoke, bro. <laughs> Must be it. I'm telling <laughs> Sam. Andy doesn't want the smoke. All right, let's talk to Sam. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Very excited to be to be joining these guys. Um, top eighteen to twenty five of my favorite 49ers podcast. Oh, what's up? What's up, <laughs> Chris? What's up? That's what's up, Kyle? Time. From the Candlestick Chronicles, Chris Biederman and Kyle Madsen. Actually, I want to ask you guys because I'm doing everything in my power to get there. What is this live show you're doing? I feel like uh, I feel like you're you're upping the game for me and Andy. Andy's obviously out of town right now. But like I, I've, I've seen the promos. And I'm like, God damn, we got to do a live show now. Yeah. So we did it last summer, last August up in Cooperage. I'm close with the with the folks up there. And um, they the the idea initially stemmed from just them making a beer and us collaborating on a beer. So they decided to make the Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. And then I was just like, well, let's like do a live event then and sort of uh you know like raise money for charity get some people up there have a live panel we got pretty much like everybody on the Niners beat and when I got there I got there a few hours early obviously and I was just really surprised by how many people were there and how many like just Niners jerseys there were and it it ended up being a really good time we it was (laughs) very obvious it was the first time we did that because we like didn't take any pictures uh, we weren't really organized no evidence of the event. Yeah. There isn't much <laughs> evidence of the event, at least on my phone. Um, and then sometimes that's better though. Yeah. It's and it, 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 it we didn't even, we, Kyle and I just kind of went on stage and just started talking and like saying hi to everybody instead of, you know, like this year, we're going to make sure Kyle does like the pod intro. So people know, feel a little bit familiar, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, we're going to have live panel. Matt Mayoko is going to be there. Damian Barling is going to be there. Tracy Sandler, Cam Inman, um, us, of course, hopefully you show up and, uh, and they'll have Candlestick Chronicles, Hazy IPA and all their other, uh, delicious, delicious beers that they serve there. It'll be in, an indoor outdoor event. 
Um, it's a cool spot. So uh, yeah, come to Cooperage. We pitched Hope, it. We hopefully pitched it we're beyond the, the heat wave, by the way, when that goes down. Yeah, current current high projected for Saturday in Santa Rosa is 82 degrees. What about oh, Friday? That's, that's not bad at all. Uh, Friday, sorry, Friday. <laughs> that's Friday, yeah. So no, it's going to be it's going to be hopefully very pleasant. And we pitched it last year as drink beer and talk football for charity. And that's a pretty good thing. So yeah, that's what we're going to do. So give me one more, one more time, date and time. September 16th, uh, let's say eight o'clock, but we'll be flexible on the timing depending on traffic and when people arrive. Awesome. Um, but Cooperage, Cooperage Brewing Company in Santa Rosa, you can Google them. It's C-O-O-P-E-R-A-G-E, Cooperage. Um, and yeah, their beer's awesome. The people there are great. And, uh, and it's going to be a fun time. I mean, no one loves a hazy IPA as much as me. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be there whether I'm there physically or in spirit, hopefully physically. Um, but yeah, man, you guys are so, so I feel like it's weird. We just watched the first NFL game of the season, right? Is that what that was? Um, yeah. Uh, the Rams have offensive line issues. Um, my favorite thing as a non uh, NFL native, the way you guys are is like every team is always complaining about their offensive line at all times. Like it it seems to be like the most consistent theme. It's like, it's like how every um, NBA fan base is like convinced that they don't have enough shooting or their coach sucks in general, like enough size. Yeah. It's it's always, you either don't have enough shooting or enough size one or the other at all times. And um, to be fair, what I saw the Rams were, it was not a good game for the offensive line, but you know, I'm, I'm just scanning my Twitter feed and everyone's already ready to be like eight and eight can't block anyone <laughs> terrible team. And I'm just like, it's one game. Yeah, yeah. It's I just, I just saw a stat real quick. I just saw a stat. Speaking of that Joe Noteboom, the Rams new left tackle. Now that Andrew Whitworth is retired, allowed three sacks and 10 pressures, which is bad. It's hard <laughs> yeah. to get, it's hard to get flambéed worse than that. Yeah, and to okay. and to Sam's point, there's like there's like four good offensive lines in the league every year, and then just like you know twenty eight like mediocre to bad ones. Um, but it raises the interesting question: like, what's the 49ers offensive line going to look like? Because right, that, that's that's kind of what I was going at. Because like everything I see is like freakouts over the the O line with Niner fans. Yeah, I think it's warranted. Like when you talk about the guys on the inside, I'm just wondering, like, is Kyle Shanahan going to be able to scheme around it? And are they going to be able to run the ball in a way that sets everything else up? Right. Because I hate to like have any significant or serious takeaways from the preseason. But in that Houston game, when the starters were playing, they were just getting knocked back by the Texans. And like for the for the offense to be successful, particularly with Trey Lance, at quarterback, they're going to have to be able to run the ball because that sets up so much of what they like to do. And if they can't run the ball, then you're asking Trey Lance to do more than you probably should be asking him to at this point. And then you could run into problems season long, but like Kyle Shanahan's good at scheming around stuff like that typically. So I'm, I'm not as worried. I think as as Rams fans should be about their offensive line because they still have, the Niners still have Trent Williams and like, he's not going to allow three sacks and 10 pressures maybe all season. <laughs> so so that that's kind of like as someone who doesn't follow the NFL necessarily as closely as the NBA uh which would be like most light years listeners I don't really know how much to read into their offensive line looking you know it looked pretty damn 
bad in that last preseason game. Cause I'm looking at it. And I'm like, okay, well, they're missing the best offensive lineman in football. Mm-hmm. Um, they're missing their starting right tackle. Like, I mean, McGlinchey, I think is interesting just like in terms of like make or break, but like he didn't play. Um, and then uh, did there, did, did Brendel like the starting center start? In that yeah, game? He was yeah. Fine. Okay. Oh, so he's he just fine. fine. Okay. So yeah. um, it was the my, guards that, that are the real concern. Well, my, 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 yeah. my, my broader point is like, if you're depend, you know, tackle tends to be more important than the guard here. And if you're missing kind of, you know, the, the best tackle in football and just you're running second stringers out there versus a Houston team who did not run second stringers out there. Like how much can I really read into that? A little bit like there, there were a couple plays where the protection broke down entirely because of pressure coming from the left tackle spot where Jalen Moore, who was starting at, right, at left tackle, just got just got waxed, like didn't get a hand on the defender. And that just breaks everything else down because now you're scrambling, you got your quarterback moving around, and that's not, that's not what you want. Um, but it's a little bit like, it, it's just to kind of try and tie this back to basketball. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like if you just took out like Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green and then went, oh man, is the Warriors defense going to be okay? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's that. It, you got Looney trying to cover for a bunch of nineteen-year-olds, and you're like, oh, is Looney yeah. cooked? And you're like, no, Looney's used to playing with guys who are not nineteen. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so like, is Aaron Banks going to be awesome? Probably not. That's the left guard. But when you have Trent Williams playing next to you, like his job's going to be easier. Right. And same thing on the right side with with Spencer Burford and, and Mike McGlinchey instead of Colton McKivitz. So it definitely matters a little bit that they just got housed the way they did, the interior of the offensive line. But it's not like, oh, that's definitely what it's going to look like every single week. Yeah, and the context of that preseason game, too, was like they had just come off the week in Minnesota where that was really those joint practices were probably like the highlight in terms of the intensity of their training camp. They didn't really care at all about the Minnesota game, obviously. And then they played at Houston on a short week. So it was like turnaround from Saturday to Thursday. I don't want to like blame just the schedule for they're not playing well, but there's got to be some sort of lack of intensity or even lack of enthusiasm to play in a third preseason game on a short week when you travel back from Minnesota to the Bay Area and then fly out to Houston. I do think that's an element. And also Jalen Moore, to Kyle's point, like was has been hurt throughout the entirety of training camp um, and then was just kind of thrown out there. So, you know, I'm concerned about the offensive line a little bit because I do think if there's a weak point on the roster, that's a pretty glaring one. But I don't I don't I know I'm speaking out, out both sides of my mouth right now because I said earlier I was a little bit worried about their inability to to run the ball at all in that game. But like. You know, it was a preseason, but also like you would like to get a, a few decent runs there with your starting interior guys. Yeah, it's like, a, and and I'm I'm just coming at this, and I'm I'm I just don't know how much to read into preseason in any of these things. Um, Kyle I, Shanahan I get, hates preseason. Like, yeah, I read into it. I read into it none. Yeah, I don't read into it at I all. I mean, he's he's pretty he's pretty blunt about it. As someone who like casually follows the Niners, like he he. 
he doesn't really leave uh you know much imagination he's like yeah it's worthless don't worry about it <laughs> yeah that's that's sort of where where i think he's at he always said like i would prefer no preseason games over four but if i had to play four i would play two you know like he's <laughs> yeah. like there isn't really you know he he didn't even play any starters in the second one you know just kind of punted on it in minnesota no it's like you see all these clips of nick bosa looking like uh you know like it's Superman like running through everyone on earth and then he you know didn't play a single snap in the preseason just like just right. one example it's like yeah it, it's it, you're watching these Niner preseason games and like all the difference makers played zero snaps so it's like right we all well, want to watch them but it's like eh, what are you gonna take from well you you watch when, it and then it's like oh Malik Turner killing it on special teams he's right. for sure making the team and then gets right. cut right. like it felt like that happened like with four or five different players he was this year's Marcus Rush. Marcus Rush, by the way, <laughs> big Malik Turner fans in the uh, in the fan base. No, it's I can already it, tell for the Warriors that's going to be Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I'm just I'm watching the dude, momentum. Dude, I'm watching the momentum. I'm build. So excited about it. I'm watching the momentum, bro. Oh, I was going to say GP two. This oh. is this is this year's GP two. He's gonna he's going to pick someone up full court, get like three <laughs> steals and dunks in a preseason game in Japan in like. Quite frankly, <laughs> honestly, in like three weeks from today, it's really weird they're playing that soon. Um, and next thing you know, like there's going to be an online campaign about how he, like, if they cut him, there's no chance he'll make the playoffs. It's over, you know. If they, if they cut him, it's going to be Joe like of his broke jokes. Yeah, exactly. All day. <laughs> exactly. No, it, it matters. It like remember, I mean, even even this year to a lesser extent, but the the Kevin Durant years with the Warriors, it's like the the regular season doesn't matter. None of this matters. Sure, just get it's to like April. just be healthy. It when matters April less than that. Like okay. that's where the the, <laughs> the sixteen and zero Patriots went zero and four in the preseason. And the zero and sixteen Lions went four zero. That's like, a, that's, that, a, that's that how is much a great it, that is a great stat by the way. Yeah, I did not know that off the top of my head. That is that is some good info. Um, can I ask you guys what's your optimism level? with the Niners comparative to entering last year. Hmm. Interesting. Obviously, obviously last year, um, you know, it was a tumultuous year, but they, they pulled it together at the end and they, they went all the way to the NFC championship game. And like, you know, so my optimism last year wasn't super high in large part because of the cornerback situation. Yeah. Okay. And then week one, they end up, I mean, Raheem Mostert was also a big loss, but like week one, they end up losing Jason Verrett. Right. And then a lot of that three and five start had to do with the cornerback play, all those pass interferences, all those big plays, you know, the comeback, um, the the last second drive against the Packers. Like that to me was a a glaring issue throughout the entire offseason. And Kyle and I talked about it like ad nauseum. And then it ended up being an even bigger issue because Jason Verrett tore his ACL in week one. Um. And I thought I did think the quarterback situation would be weird. It ended up being less weird uh, than than I anticipated. And I'm sort of I'm thinking that there's not going to be a whole lot of like drama with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think the 49ers do a pretty good job of like limiting the outside noise to just outside. Like they don't really care what what the narratives are, like how you know, everybody thinks all their decisions are crazy and all that stuff. Like they have a pretty sound plan. They believe in having solid personalities in the locker room who can handle different situations. And they've made that bet time and time again, and it's paid off for them when they've stayed healthy. Um, So this year, like 
I'll be honest. I've covered the team since 2013, and I think this is the best roster they've had, Ooh. top to bottom. Yeah. Um, and I think like the 29. We talk about the the defensive line a lot, and like comparing this defense to so the 2019. This feels, like, feels like a cautious hedge. Like you want to go all the way in, but you you're not trying to. Put I mean, that out there. I I went on the radio today in Sacramento, <laughs> and and they asked me my Super Bowl pick, and I said Niners, uh, Niners Ravens. Wow. Yeah. So like. And so why, I'm glad why that hate, why do you hate Josh Allen? No, <laughs> kind of just being against the grain, just like I don't know. I hate going complete, complete chalk, but like you saw it tonight with the Rams, you know. And I'm not, I don't want to overreact to this one game, but like it's hard to get back to the Super Bowl. The NFC is wide open, like there's there doesn't feel like the same hierarchy of teams in the NFC this year. And I think with how good the 49ers defense could be. I think it could be close to what it was in 2019. And if they are a top three defense in the league, then I fully expect the offense to be just fine, you know, like in terms Mm -hmm. of winning games. So I'm, this is as optimistic I've been about a Niners team really, I think since I've been covering them in 2013 and I re I try really hard to stay balanced about it. And I've thought about it a lot and I'm just like, no, I just, I just believe in the, the roster that they have and, Kyle Shanahan's ability to maximize whatever he can get out of Trey Lance in part because of all the weapons they have around him. And the obvious caveat here is health because that's, that's always a sure, big caveat sure. with this team. And right, it's, it's hard. Very, to... It's very boring to have like a conversation about, right. Like, if ah, they stay, well, healthy. I, th- I think Fred Warner's knee is going to blow or something. That's not healthy discourse. Yeah. I just, I have a hard time. Um, I have a hard time drawing a line to a roster this good just being terrible and that's the well so like so much of the focus is trey lance and the quarterback because it's the most important position on the field to be sure but the 49ers have a head coach who's made a career out of maximizing what a quarterback is good at and continuing to put them in positions to do those things and now he has the most physically talented quarterback he's ever had and I know there's hand wringing over. Oh, they brought back Jimmy Garoppolo. What does that say about Lance? I know he was inaccurate. Arms I know that teeth. third preseason game, and it just it it. I think by halftime of week one, it's going to be like, oh, like he's not going to go complete thirty percent of his throws. Is he going to be at 70 percent? No, but is he going to be at thirty? No, he's probably going to be in the fifty-five to sixty range on a pretty regular basis. And Shanahan's not going to design are not going to call plays that are that are last time we watched like last time we watched real football like Debo Samuels was one of like the five best skill position players in the league it's like you know he didn't even play in the preseason so it's like you would think things are in a positive position for Trey right yeah Yeah, um, absolutely and and also like a lot of my 49ers optimism is about Nick Bosa too because, yeah. like, I think he has, you know, I said it in our podcast we we did this week, like our hottest Niners take. I think he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Like, I've watched all of Nick Bosa's training camps, and he's just at a different level this year. And Matt Barrows wrote a really good piece about his diet and his training. Like, I just think Nick Bosa is the type of dude that is going to win Defensive Player of the Year at some point in his career, maybe even multiple times. Yeah. And like, I think all signs are pointing to him 
putting out a really good season this year. And if he gets to, you know, if the, like I said, if the Niners have a top three defense and he gets to 18 sacks, like he's going to be a candidate, like no matter what. I mean, he was third or so last. Yeah. I mean, I've thrown this out actually, like the, the little Niners talk we've done on light years. I've, I, I threw out that exact same take, but Mike, I thought what was interesting is you mentioned 2019 and that's kind of my, my hot take, which I have no grounds of reality for. I think this defense will be better or has a chance to be better than 2019. Um, and it's to be seen, but I just, I just look at it. It's like they, they got so much better as the year went on last year and they lost. Did they lose anyone who matters? You know, like, is there anyone on last year's Not defense who, period. who you're worried about getting worse this year? Like you just run through, it's like Nick Bosa. How old is Nick Bosa? 24? 24. 24 yeah. so it, it, that's freakish in another way, but it's like, you know, like Fred Warner comfortably entering the middle of his prime, you know, yeah. um, Eric Armstead comfortably in the middle of his prime. Uh, Jimmy War. Well, okay that's a different conversation you know he's he's hurt but like he's he's not old or anything like they they really do feel like uh set up that it would be weird if they were not one of the more dominant defenses in the nfl as the year went on yeah so i think where you can look at like where you can make the case that this defense could be better than that one um niners only had 12 interceptions in 2019 right so like if you think about what the pass rush could be, and I consider the secondary upgraded, I think, you know, Jaquasi Tart was a fine player, but I think Talanoa Hufunga, while he might not have the range, might have, might might just be a guy who forces more turnovers. Like that's that was kind sure. of that that was kind of his calling card. Shout out, shout out that pump block, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's you know he's around the ball. He's whatever superlative you want. He's going to be a box safety who plays who plays one can take the ball away. And you could tell, and you could tell too that that was like a point of emphasis. And again, we're just talking about how much the preseason doesn't matter, but they were going after the football every time they were near it. They were trying to punch it out, rip it out. You saw Samuel Womack generating turnovers just by trying to rip the ball away. And I think that kind of stuff like matters. You're not going to get good turnover luck every single year, but when it's a point of emphasis and it's something your team is trying to do. Um, I think you you start to generate those. Yeah, Emmanuel Mosley will be more experienced. Um, mm-hmm. I think Charvary. When you talk about Charvarius Ward versus Richard Sherman, as good as Sherman was, and he's obviously excellent that season. He was a second team All Pro. He was still at the later stages of, of his career physically, and was a little bit limited physically. And Charvarius Ward is in his physical prime. So while I, I'm I don't know that I'm necessarily expecting Ward to be like a second team All Pro he could be as impactful just with his physicality. Um, and, you know, like with Jimmy Ward being more experienced with Ufunga, maybe take, getting more takeaways in Tart, like that's where I think the difference is. And also the, fr- the first four of the defensive line in 2019 might be better, but this group is a lot deeper. Yeah, I was, was going yeah. to throw it out. Like the thing that is unique about this team is um, they, they should have the most – defensive line depth in the league you just don't see teams have that many players who can make plays up front and like that really is something that shows itself the longer a game goes like if you're able to buy Nick Bosa five extra snaps 
that means he's a little fresher and like he doesn't really need to be fresh to make an impact. So it's what it's, it's one of those things where, you know, they're, it makes everyone better. If, if your front just get, can, gets consistent pressure and don't ever tired and all those sort of things. And, and the other, the other thing with this year's group, like Chris said, it's deeper. Samson Abukam last year, I think had eight sacks over the final 10 games or something like that. Like right. he, was a, he was a monster in the second half of the year. And if he picks up where he left off and the Niners have Nick Bosa going for 19, 20, 21 sacks, and they have Samson Abukam on the other side who's getting 11, got, 12, 13. And they got Drake. Drake Jackson yeah, Drake, coming in. Drake Jackson. Like if he's get, there's, a, there's a chance they have like five or six dudes with six-plus sacks. And it yeah. just they they might they might be dominant in a way that they just weren't in nineteen. But they don't have Buckner. Like Buckner was right. to me, Buckner was modern day Brian Young. Just like dependable, yeah. reliable, will give you numbers, obviously different physically, but just like that's so it still boggles my mind that they made that deal, especially knowing that they ended up moving off their or eventually moving off their expensive franchise quarterback for a guy on a rookie deal because they could have made those financials work. But that's, that's the biggest difference between that defense and this one. It's like Javon Kinlaw's. What's that? I said, Joe Lacob would never, (laughs) never Javon Kinlaw is a fascinating player because he's super talented. But as we all know, like does that talent translate? Is he going to be healthy enough? And is he going to, keep his wits about him when things go bad because we've seen certain scenarios where (laughs) people say some things and he doesn't, he doesn't love the way that goes. I was going to say that that actually, (laughs) um, so it's interesting. Like uh, more than a few people have thrown out the like Trey Lance, James Wiseman comp, just in terms of like the future of the franchise, but they're good now. And the young, I actually think Kinlaw Wiseman is a, is a better comp. Oh, in terms of in terms of um, top one percent of one percent like physical tools, like like in terms of like a defensive tackle or center, like you just don't find guys with that combination of size, speed, strength and skill. Right. But um, raw, like neither of them were ready when they Mm -hmm. came pro. Um, they weren't like, they weren't like polished, you know, like it, it wasn't like Aaron Donald coming out, you know, like a polished player or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're, they both have shown kind of a propensity to listen to the noise in a way that not every player does. Like, like Nick Bose, every time I see Nick Bose, I was like, he reminds me of Clay Thompson because there's like a, um, it's like almost like a goofiness to him where he's like, like an aloofness. In, yeah. Aloof is actually the perfect word for it, but it's like, that that's also it allows him never to let anyone get in his head right like james wiseman is telling everyone about how like injury rehab was hard and you know he um and and credit to him for like you know going to therapy and doing that sort of stuff but like he basically letting everyone know he lets the noise get in him he saw people say that like they shouldn't have drafted him and just kind of like a vulnerability that like a lot of athletes don't publicly you know right um, advertise. Right. And then like, you know, Ken law, like we've, we've seen it, you know, um, uh, snapping on, on YouTube live and, you know, doing, doing his <laughs> own things. And like, it's, it's the same type of thing where it's like, you know, 
you probably should just let that stuff go and focus. But like, I also understand it. Like I get mad when someone replies to my tweets. So like, who am I to really get all that mad? You know, <laughs> the other, the other, the other good comparison between Javon Kinlaw and James Wiseman is they both play positions that don't matter that much. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I'm joking. I'm joking. Every high school coach in America is so upset at you. right oh, now. So angry. <laughs> I mean, a couple, couple decent centers in the league right now. No, there are. I'm joking. joking. Well, I do think, I I mean, the center thing's ironic for the Warriors because the Warriors literally got famous around a player who made centers irrelevant. So it's just like, (laughs) it's like, hey, we we changed the game with guys who make centers look silly. So we're going to draft one. Look, I get, I get the notion. I get the notion of like, oh, James Wiseman is a seven footer who can hang in a small lineup. Who yeah. can dribble and shoot threes and defend multiple? The positions. dream. Like I get, I get small, the theory. A small ball player who's not small. Right. Yeah. I get the theory, but it's like there's two of those dudes on the planet. You know, it's like those. It's not like those guys are just available all the time. Yeah. Time, they just need like, him. Yeah, Giannis and Anthony Davis. Yeah. They, yes. they they just need him to be able to switch on to smaller defenders, rebound and rim run. That's that's where I'm at. I know I know you want to like enable him to like shoot threes and expand his offensive game a little bit but with this team i think that's they just need it to keep it simple and then let the evolution come later do you do you think that because like one of the bigger issues the warriors run into with development and i I, this might tie to trey lance or it might not is like um they drafted a bunch of hyper talented guys and when guys are drafted high in the draft not only um is there expectation but there's like a want to show that they're you know that they could do more but the Warriors in general don't need them to. Like they, like you said, if James Wiseman can defend, rebound, and finish, perfect. Uh, if mm-hmm. Jonathan Kuminga can just literally guard wings and finish inside, perfect for this team. Like mm-hmm. no one needs Jonathan Kuminga to like explore his bag and show that he's, um, <laughs> you know, Kawhi Leonard 2.0. Like maybe in two years, but like just right. given where the team is, uh, and that and that's hard. For, for young players to do, I, I wonder, like, trying to tie it to the Niners, like, is that also, like, the hard part of you putting a young quarterback with a team who's very ready-made? And it's like, I know you want to, like, freelance and see what you can and can't do, but we kind of just want you running play action and throw it to Debo on the flats. So I, I think that there's a comp in that for now – the Niners are so loaded that they don't need Trey Lance to always go outside of structure and look to make plays right. down the field and carry don't the just, offense. Don't need you doing like your Pat Mahomes impression, scrambling around and throwing right. across your body yeah. 80 yards. And maybe maybe he does that from time to time when a play really breaks down or you know down the road. But right now, it's like command the offense. Um, don't take bad sacks. Don't throw the ball to the wrong team and hit layups. And I mean, like easy throws. It's not. It's not going to be super complicated for for Lance in year one, at least for the Niners to be a contender. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating question because there is an element of like, you know, talking to people leading into the draft and and really just about Kyle Shanahan and what he looks for in quarterbacks since he got to the 49ers. The one thing a lot of people said was like, he just wants somebody who can run his offense. He will make he will call the plays. He will make things as easy as possible on the quarterback. They just need to run his offense. 
and do it the way he wants it done. Just, just wants to give on Looney. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's when, you know, that's, that's one of the main reasons why so many people thought he was going to draft Mac Jones in 2021. Cause Mac Jones was the guy who, who Kyle can just, you know, orchestrate like a puppet and he can run the offense and, and do all that. And my pushback was always like, well, if you're going to go against Pat Mahomes, like the Niners did in the Super Bowl, or Josh Allen, or Justin Herbert, or, or any of these like quarterbacks who can make plays outside of structure because they have elite physical gifts, you're trying to thread a needle that's just really difficult to thread. Like you're like Nick Foles is not going to win a Super Bowl all the time. Like you just sometimes you just need your quarterback to carry you in ways that you can't turn like, everyone you can't turn everyone into Tom Brady right like schematically you can only do so much and if the play breaks down you need somebody to to second react right like what right. Russell Wilson did perennially with the Seahawks so that was my pushback why I always thought it would be Trey Lance because Kyle Shanahan does evolve a little bit but it's an interesting question because like Trey Lance is gonna have to freelance and it's gonna be you know Kyle Shanahan's gonna have to tolerate it to a certain extent Kyle, he's going to have to, Trey Lance is going to have to freelance and Kyle Shanahan is going to have to freelance. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a bar. Wow. That's, that's deep. That's a, that's a goddamn bar. <laughs> over, no, over, just, it, over it, it, under week five with Debo complaining that he's not getting the ball enough because he's freelancing. Quarter, <laughs> quarter five, bro. Like Chris, Chris, you mentioned that earlier in a, in a, in a past edition of the pod. And I can, it's just so easy to see. I mean, wide receivers, irrespective of of what I heard basically all off season while Debo was dealing with this stuff. Like, I think it speaks volumes that Debo Samuel was not with Brandon Ayuk and Trey Lance working out together and living together in the off season. You know, like, so I, I do think there was something to that. Um, I'm very confident there was something to that. And yeah, that's one of the big questions I have. But to me, like if the if there are people in the locker room who are concerned about the quarterback situation or whatever, like that's a locker room problem. That's not a quarterback problem. Sure. Right. Like if Trey Lance, like depending on how it looks, obviously, and what the results are. But like if there's like a groundswell of like drama in the locker room stemming from the quarterback thing, that's something that Kyle Shanahan needs to get under control and to me, that's not a reason not to bring Jimmy Garoppolo back, right? Like you, you still an insurance policy. Any team in the league could use a good insurance policy at quarterback. And to try to avoid that drama is like that was my initial thought. And then the more I thought about it, and the more I asked around and and heard the characters involved, like it just made sense to me to bring Garoppolo back. But if there is any sort of that drama where it's like, well, the other guy would be better at getting me the ball, that's a problem with that guy not necessarily the quarterback dynamic. Gotcha. So you're not, you're not buying the, cause it's, it's a national narrative. And like, let's be honest. It's like, it's an easy, like talk show take, right? Like, yeah. um, <laughs> you're, you're not buying that. Like that's an actual, like, Oh, Trey, you know, Trey has a subpar week three against who are they playing week three? Uh, you know, like he plays a couple subpar games. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all of a sudden, like the locker room wants Jimmy back. Like you're not buying that as as an actual concern. I'm not, but like you can never say never, right? Like you can. It, it could be that Trey Lance completes four of 
25 throws and a, a couple, <laughs> wow. a couple picks, you know, like it could be, it could I get mean, ugly. I'll be, I'll be asking for Brock Purdy if, if he goes four <laughs> for 25, but like so. in, in terms of, I mean, that's part of the bet that Shanahan's making, right. Is like, right. he, he saw that, okay, it got bad. They were three and five last year with Jimmy there and Trey there, obviously. And the locker room survived it and everyone had a mature way about dealing with it. So I think that's kind of what Shanahan's betting on replicating again. But, you know, you have a receiver making a hell of a lot more money now than he used to be. And maybe he thinks he has more influence. I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen, but I'm open to it happening (laughs) based on uh, based on recent history. So that's you know, I, it's for me, it's not a concern. Like, and that wasn't the, the decision was pragmatic. Like, no, why would we let Jimmy Garoppolo go help the Seahawks win games when he could be our insurance policy if Trey Lance turns an ankle? Like, that's kind of that's how like the I the way it was described to me is like being worried about the drama and stuff was just kind of overthinking it. Like it wasn't it wasn't a super complicated decision from that standpoint from the team standpoint, which is why they made it. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be circumstances that get difficult. What the, what the, what that decision did was make Kyle Shanahan's job harder. Mm -hmm. So I think he can deal with that. And I think the locker room can deal with that um, because they did it last year, but I'm not guaranteeing it, but that's, that's my bet. Well, and if Lance is, is because he's not going to be awesome out of the gate, I don't think, but we saw him. Or it'll be up and down. You know, yeah. maybe maybe a good week one, and then by week three, there's some film and it looks bad. Yeah, maybe. But between week five and week seventeen last year, we saw him get better. Mm-hmm. And in week seventeen, from the first half to the second half, we saw him get better. I think he's just going to kind of continue to get incrementally better as he plays. And I don't, I don't think it's. I just don't think the Jimmy Garoppolo thing is ever going to be a problem. Like all we've talked about at the radio station I work at 95, seven, the game in San Francisco. I don't usually talk about it, but um, that's a bit we do on the show, Sam. I bring it up like once a show that I, that I worked there. I, I listened uh, to the show. I know. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't sure how dialed you were. Um, but yeah, so, so that's all anyway. It's like, Oh, what Trey getting benched. And it's like, bro, he would have to be abysmal for that to happen. Like Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to bench him because that's very bad for Kyle Shanahan. If that happens. So yeah, I I, I mean, I don't think Lance is gonna suck to that to that degree. I mean, that's that's kind of everyone's hands are kind of tied together. Where it's like, yeah, you you trade like a bunch of picks to draft a guy. Um, y- you kind of have to to make it work. You can't just be like, well, played bad against the Bears. We gave it a try. Brock Purdy time. You know, like that's not that's not how those things work. So. <laughs> right. Put it this way, like. You know, I know that a lot of people are, are talking about how the 49ers are worried about Trey Lance. That's why they brought Jimmy Garoppolo back. If they were worried about Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo would have participated in training camp. Right. right. Like Jimmy <laughs> Garoppolo was basically persona non grata throughout August until he decided that he was going to take a, a six and a half million dollar backup quarterback salary. Yeah. So, like, I get what what it looks like, but like the fact is they had moved on from Jimmy. They were ready for Jimmy to be completely out of the building and they were operating with Trey Lance as their quarterback because Kyle Shanahan trusted Trey Lance enough to be their starter. So I don't think I don't think that, you know, that that's that's just why I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo being there is like really any more of a threat to Trey Lance than than it would be if he wasn't there because there's pressure on Trey Lance regardless of who his backup quarterback is. 
I'm in the camp that had Jimmy had Trey Lance been awesome through the entire preseason, that the Garoppolo thing would have played out the same way. Yes. I don't think they magically just decide, okay, we'll just cut him if if Lance had completed 95% of his throws in practice and thrown for eight touchdowns in his five preseason series. No, there, there's there's clearly like an asset play here where it's just like we're not just giving away a player who's objectively valuable for nothing. Right. So John Lynch loves asset play. It's just, you know, as, as, uh, as wow. A's fans, we get it. Wow. Uh, um, I, oh, yeah, I wanna... hey, we're all A's fans here. Let's tie the A's into this. Let's go. Exciting young team. Uh, uh, Jay Langlers, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on the uh, Dermis Garcia bandwagon. Oh, right now. same. But, but anyway, we're not going down that path. Um, I want to ask this and then we can get out of here. Um, so obviously the Warriors won that NBA title last year. So it's a uh, it's tough to look at this way. But if I was to be honest with you, I think the Niners have better young talent than the Warriors. And just in the sense of, you know, like Nick Bosa might win defensive player of the year and he's 24. I love what I see from Jonathan Kuminga, but he's not Nick Bosa. Right. Like that sort of thing. So my question is the next five years, which team is going to be more successful? Which team is going to when we look at. 2020 forget last year forget like you know Steph winning a title and then winning in Boston it's it's gone going forward the next five years I'll let Kyle go first (laughs) so we what are am I hmm I like the I like the 49ers young players more I think yeah, but you have to tie the older players into it. So I'm just saying, it, when we look at the next five seasons, which team will have had more success in the relative league? So, so I think, I it's, think it's okay. No, I'm going with the Niners. Okay, I'm going with the four. No, Ooh. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm going. Not. I'm going with the Warriors because this is I'm a going with team the Niners. That, I have a good answer. Okay, okay. you go first. Though. The, the like Warriors it. are used to winning championships, and they still have their core guys, and they know exactly what it takes to win championships. And there's less parity in the NBA than the NFL. True. Um, so, you know, in the NBA, you get seven game series the whole way in the NFL. They're all one off playoff rounds. Right. So anything can really happen in any given week. Um, so for the Warriors, like I'm I'm kind of expecting the Warriors to repeat next year. Um, hmm. And I know I'm, I am I just said I picked the Niners to, to go to the Super Bowl. But that's, you know, that's 49ers optimism, but also like pessimism about the NFC overall. Um, but I just think. Like, I kind of think Steph Curry is going to win two more. And as optimistic as I am about... That's why we had you on. (laughs) And as, you know, as optimistic optimistic as I am about the Niners, it's just hard for me to look at them with the same level of confidence that they can win championships because they just haven't done it the way the Warriors have as, you know, one of the premier dynasties in modern sports, really. So the Warriors use negativity to kind of fuel them to this title run. And I haven't seen enough negativity this offseason. I'm afraid they're going to get complacent. So Steph, you can put this on a shirt. I know he listens to the pod. Steph Curry will never win another title. (laughs) (laughs) Neither will Draymond Green. Neither will Clay Thompson. You don't have, you don't think Joe Lake of taking victory laps on first take is enough negativity (laughs) for you? No, I need more. Steph Curry stinks. He can't shoot it anymore. Um, <laughs> no, he definitely uh, can't golf. I saw him at the yeah. the at the American Century Tournament. Didn't win that. 
Actually, Big trash, not, not even a stick. Iron game trash. Um, <laughs> Who is uh, so so? Honestly, that ties an interesting question. We know we know hey, Joe. Listen, Lacob- I'm joking. I'm kidding about the stat. Go ahead, Sam. Sorry. I was going to say we we know Joe Lacob is is cool with Stephen A. Smith. When is Jed going to get in with like Skip Bayless? Just you know. <laughs> oh no! Like like I need I need. I need Skip casually throwing out that Jed texted him that Debo is not lifting enough weights or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's like Trey's, Trey's, Trey's diet's trash, you know, too many, oh, too, many, too many candy I think bars. I think it's Shannon Sharp. Oh, oh he's I think Shannon guy? Be the guy. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, um, I, I, <laughs> they're very cognizant of the whole leaking thing. Oh, big time. <laughs> they are. They are extremely cognizant. I think the Niners are going to have to win a Super Bowl before they revisit, you know, Jed before Jed York even revisits talking to to media members. Um, yep. like like he did <laughs> potentially in, you know, circa 2013, 2014. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I want to I want to jump in here real quick on the on the Niners thing. I, I'll I'll pick the Niners over the next five years because I think the NFC is going the wrong direction a little bit. You have Tom Brady, who's 78. You have Aaron Rodgers, who might retire tomorrow. Um, he might be on ayahuasca right now. Right. He might just literally be high, just tripping balls I right mean, now. I appreciate the fact that the NFC is the only place I can look and see older people than me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Tom Brady Tom Brady's going to be done soon, I think. Aaron Rodgers is... is Not far missed. Aaron Donald was, like, going to retire this year. And then the Rams were like, here's a bag, please stay. And Sean McVay was going to like go to Amazon. Um, <laughs> and Matthew Stafford's right arm might fall off. Kyler Murray can't stop playing video games. The Seahawks are starting Geno Smith on purpose. Like it just, there's so many ways for where the NFC over the next five years could just see all these powerhouses just doing full-blown rebuilds. While the Niners, I'm trusting Kyle Shanahan to properly develop Trey Lance and be good like i think the niners are just going to kind of be in the mix in an nfc that that may be on the downswing for the most part while the warriors are going into a title defense in a west that's just going to be stacked you've got Kawhi leonard coming back for the clippers you've got jamal murray coming back for denver um luca is is the lakers got better patrick beverly the lakers got (laughs) pat bev (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh was it christian wood to yeah. dallas um all right all right, you know, all right so no it's just i i think the west is is getting getting a lot better plus i i think the celtics got better this offseason with malcolm brogdon they have a I player mean, who Steph's can dribble gonna, now i do think steph has the potential to be the basketball version of steph of tom brady but like he will be 35 and that there is a uh you know Age is apparently real. Does Steph want anything more than to have more rings than LeBron? Oh my God. I think it's so much deeper than that. I think he's, <laughs> I think he wants, I think he legitimately wants to be the Tom Brady of basketball. I think he wants to like sign just, another deal after this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. um, it, he, he used to talk pretty candidly about how he's going to retire young to spend time with his family and like my dad played 15 years and I want to play 15 years. And then uh, the pandemic happened. And after that, he's just like Michael Jordan, where he's like, I'm never retired. It's just like, (laughs) he's it's um, 
I do wonder if like, you know, the, the team falling off and him having to like watch everyone made him realize like, all right, I'm not walking away from this. Um, at least until it's time. I'm not walking away early. I'm not going to be that guy who leaves while I'm still like the best player in the league. So, um, and he's, and he's maniacal about the way he works and everything. And it's a, you know, it's a total wild card because like there's really no precedent for a guy, his size, like aging, like at least with LeBron, it's like, okay, he's physically like the greatest athlete I've ever seen. And like guys like his size, like Carl Malone and whatnot, like age well with Steph. I just don't know what to even think. You know, he was like, I mean, he was physically very, like Steph was physically very impressive in like 15 and 16. Right. Like the play I'll always think about was when Kawhi Leonard was guarding him and Steph was playing off the ball. And then just like the explosiveness that he had to sidestep and completely lose Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. I know exactly which game you're. I was at that. I was at that game and I was just like, I'd never seen a player do that to Kawhi where he like basically juked him out of his shoes. Yeah. And it was, that was athleticism. Like it was obviously guile and timing and all that stuff, but it was like real athleticism. And I even thought Steph this year was physically more impressive yes, than that I season. Agree. I agree. And maybe it's maybe it's a little different now. Maybe he doesn't have like that same lateral explosiveness that he had when he was younger. But like he's he's a lot more muscular. He he seems to be more comfortable driving to the paint and finishing in traffic. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to age pretty well. Like I mean, is Stockton the guy? Like Stockton, kind of the physical like point guard who was still physically kind of. I don't know if stout's the word or how you how you'd want to say it but like stockton never won a title so <laughs> i mean it's like <laughs> but it, yeah in yeah, terms of a, physicality hey, I, of a point I, guard l- later in life while we're on the point guard age thing so in my mind and i looked this up after after the warriors won the title in my mind tony parker was like ancient when the spurs won that last one he was 31 right yeah he was 31 years old he was three years younger than steph and steph it's, just looks so good that's, he doesn't look like he's yeah. dropping off in any capacity. It's it's um, it's one of those things where I look at it. It's like okay, he's he's thirty four, which like he's the age Michael Jordan was when he won his last title, you know. And there, there's just not really a comp. That's that's why I always go to the Tom Brady thing, where I'm like, sure. I don't really want to, I don't want to compare him to a guy who's literally destroyed aging. But like I I don't want to put him in a box either and be like, well, you know. Steven Ash won his last MVP at 33. So, you know, it's, it's over for staff, right? Like that sort of thing. It's just, it, it's it, particularly with like the advances with training and like the way guys are always looking for edges to keep going forward. Like, I just don't know what to think with him. All I know I, is what I saw last year was like, didn't look like a player who's on down. Well, Steph just no, has so it, much help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, Draymond's trash, Clay's wash, but Steph has too much help. Um, <laughs> that's been the thing for years. No, I, I think one of the things with, with Steph, and I think part of the reason, I, I hate using the word disrespect, but I, I, I don't have a better word for it right now. The disrespect he gets, despite his sterling resume, had to do with the fact that like, he wasn't, big and physically imposing and him imposing his will on a game was gravity. Like it was him pulling defenders away, away from the ball and setting up a a layup for Kevon Looney this year. It felt like he was physically imposing himself on games in a way that he was never, he never used to be able to like, he was playing through contact. He was getting those little savvy vet push-offs. He was 
finishing through contact. And that's not something I think he did consistently until this year. And it just like this year, like game, game four of the finals, it was, it was such a like, it doesn't like they're not losing tonight. And I know he's done that before, but the way he did it, just it did feel, different. it did feel different. And um, it's a perfect way to end this show tonight, which is the way I like to end most of our shows. I just want to thank the Boston Celtics for being brazen enough to try to guard him one-on-one because for, for, for seven years uh, in a row, I watched teams throw two to three bodies at him. And then people be like, yeah, I can't perform in this moment. Boston's like, we're going to guard you straight up. And they, they took it. They took it like a man. And, <laughs> and you know what? We, we all appreciate it because we got to watch Steph go off in that capacity. My, my favorite possession, <laughs> not, my fa- not my favorite possession, the one that sticks out to me, and I know he was hurt, but Robert Williams, when he got switched on to Steph on the perimeter, and he was just kind of standing there waving his hand, and then Steph just sauced him a little bit, and Williams just stood straight up and down. I was like, <laughs> nope, this isn't, I've got The one-handed bank runner? Yeah, yep. yeah. I just bigs, it, bigs I, when they get switched on to them, like they do the wide eyed thing. It's like my favorite thing to watch. They're like, if I like, right, look I'm gonna get big. really, really <laughs> focused, I'm gonna freak them out. <laughs> one, <laughs> one last point I want to make before we get out of here talking about Steph aging. I think he's his mid range game is going to be the thing that allows him to age well because mm. there's, there's going to be so much focus on like running him off the line and trapping him and all that stuff. I think he's going to be able to find pockets and just hit 18 footers whenever he wants. And I, I think that's, love... that's going to be a way for him to, to continue aging gracefully and being an efficient scorer, which is funny because he changed the game so much in terms of efficiency with a three point shot. But I think the mid range game, which we saw a little bit in the playoffs this last year, but like, I think that's going to be a staple of his game that continues to grow that we haven't really seen before. I would love the Warriors winning a title on the back of just a killer mid-range game. <laughs> it's be happened before. Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I appreciate you guys. This is fun. I'm now super juiced for the Niners game this weekend and just in general football season. Get a lot of synergy between the two of us. You guys want to throw out a little promo for my listeners who maybe don't listen to Candlestick Chronicles where they can find you guys? Yeah, Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's Kyle and I. We go about three times a week during the season, maybe four if there's news. Um, but we keep it light. Like we try to talk about it like this. Like there, you know, there are a lot of people who take who take podcasting very seriously, and we do it. Um, but we try to have fun with it and we try not to be we say curse words sometimes. Um, yeah, but like you know, it, we, wear, it, we all wear ace hats. It's but. it's a competition, it, uh, but in the industry, I feel like everybody's competing to be like more right than everybody else, and we're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, let's just like say what I, we I, think I, is happening. I and, will and say, I will say, I've noticed the football space is more aggressive with that than um, baseball or basketball in general. Like, there's a little more aggression to uh, to point out who is the rightest at all times. Yeah. <laughs> Big yeah. smartest guy in the room energy. Neither Chris nor I are the smartest guy. In the room. <laughs> but yeah, we have a lot of guests and uh, yeah, we do. We try to, you know, Cooperage live events. Like we're, we're seeing where this thing goes, but yeah, come to Cooperage, hang out with us. The vibes will be amazing. And uh, the beer will be great. And the, the vibes will be immaculate. The hazies yeah. will also be immaculate. Yeah, I don't know oh, if yeah. it's flannel weather, but um, you know, maybe it'll cool down a little bit. If you, if you show sleeve, up, if, sleeveless if, flannel, 
<laughs> if I get if I get a whiff of flannel weather, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, if you come, I request that you wear your flannel. I, I will. Big matter. Just give me under 80. 79, I'll do it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pulling it out if it's like 81, though. Sorry. No, that's like, ridiculous. I'm, I'm already like, I already like over sweat and overheat in general. It's not happening. Same. Yeah, maybe I'll go maybe Hawaiian like a, shirt. Maybe Regardless. like a, like a flannel wristband or something. I'll give sure. you that. Sure. I love it. Yeah, well, uh, thanks, for having us, thanks for having us on, man. Really appreciate it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.